Welcome to the Asia Society Hong Kong Movers and Shakers podcast. Through the short, interactive 10-minute fireside chat, we get to meet with the leaders and game changers in different industries for insights into their personal journey to success, what they learned, how they failed, and other interesting wisdom they may want to share. Today's podcast is with Mark Thompson, CEO of the New York Times. Mr. Thompson has been instrumental in accelerating the pace of the Times' digital transformation. Under his leadership, the Times became the first news organization in the world to pass the 1 million digital-only subscription mark. The company has also introduced a new era of international growth, launched an industry-leading branded content studio, and invested in virtual reality, producing some of the most celebrated work in this emerging medium. Before joining the Times Company, Mr. Thompson served as Director General of the BBC from 2004, where he reshaped the organization to meet the challenges of the digital age, ensuring that it remained a leading innovator with the launch of services such as the BBC iPlayer. He also oversaw a transformation of the BBC itself, driving productivity and efficiency through the introduction of new technologies and bold organizational redesign. Mark sat down with ASHK Executive Director Alice Mong for the following interview. Okay, we're going to take 10 minutes of your time and just ask you, um, this is really to help inspire some of the young people here in yeah. Hong Kong who feel, yeah. like a lot of young people, feel kind of lost these days. Mm-hmm. And um, tell us some of the, somebody who has influenced you and some advice, good advice that you've heard, you know, when you were a young man starting off in your career. Well, I think the, 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 the people who train me uh, uh, to be a journalist, I think basically gave me the advice to kind of use my common sense, keep an open mind, and not pay too much attention to what my bosses uh, and others said I should do or thought I should do. So I think independence of spirit and trusting your own instincts was what was drilled into me. And I think it's the most important thing. You should always, if you're in this business of journalism, you better believe in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. There's no point. It's not a particularly well-paid job anymore. There's no point doing it unless it's still got that vocational quality and you're getting the satisfaction of doing what you do. Mm-hmm. And the public can tell. They can tell whether you believe in what you're saying or doing uh, or, or not. Okay. But in your career, I think you have, probably have come across a lot mm. of successful journalists or, or people in the business. What do you think is more important to you um, in, in terms of EQ or IQ? Or is it a combination of both? Uh, nowadays, I find young people, they know a lot. There's a lot of information. But... You know, uh, the balance of, of EQ and IQ, and we're always talking about AI and all that. But in your, in your opinion... I, I think people constantly um, underestimate how far even technical, sophisticated journalism is a human business um, of gaining trust, of getting people to open up and tell you things that the, perhaps they didn't think they'd tell you. So I think I, I want to say that EQ... And almost, I want to say, like um, a, a, a political instinct um, uh, is important in, in, in journalism. Okay. Uh, political instinct, you mean just people skill? Like, I mean, I mean, I mean politics, small-scale politics, okay. as, it, as in how do you uh, win someone over? Mm-hmm. How do you um, um, uh, read a room and uh, understand how, as it were, what's really going on between this group of people? And I think that... You know, in the end, the 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 knowledge the the um, the knowledge is the thing the machines are going to do pretty well, and we've all kind of got it in our on our smartphone anyway. Um, I think what really matters is is human skills. Okay, 
And what's some of the uh, most, most best and most worthwhile investment you've ever made? Often in mistakes, really. I think that, that, that bold, um, bold choices and discovering that when you've done something really kind of um, useless, something which has failed completely, um, that you can pick yourself up and go on to something else. Um, I think all of that, um, uh, that's the stuff that the, the most successful sports people are, other people have also missed the most number of goals or the most numbers of shots on, 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 on goal is very, very good. And I would say specifically one of the best things that happened in my time at the New York Times so far was a, a, a project called MIT Now, which was the idea of a, of a short-form kind of express version of the New York Times, which essentially failed completely. And it's the foundation of all of our subsequent success because we were able to take all the lessons from that uh, and apply them elsewhere. And also because MIT Now was the first time we'd really got teams from every part of the organisation, including the newsroom, to work together. And the, the group of people who did that loved it. And they kind of, when the project ended, they kind of went out across the organisation and did it where they arrived. And it was the start almost of a kind of, you know, the, the, uh, the, the kind of dissemination of a whole new way of working across the... So I, I always, and people said to me, why are you go on talking about it? It was such a mistake. Don't you want to forget about it? And actually, I, on the contrary, I think it was, it was one of the most creative things we've done. Right now, what is your um, biggest fear uh, for the short term and also for the long term? I mean, it could be personal or New York Times. I mean, what are some of the, <laughs> that's kind of keeping you awake at night? So it's, so it's interesting. I mean, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a big fear person. Um, I, I mean, I think we live in a world of risk and, um, and therefore, you know, there's a full range of risks um, to which we've got to open ourselves up. But, but to me, the big thing was um, that we had to be more, we, we, we had to make failure, as it were, make ourselves more available to fail, that we had to be slightly braver about that. Um, I think the biggest single risk is that you don't respond quickly enough. And actually, I think media organisations have got a terrible danger of of not, not changing as quickly as their audiences. Mm -hmm. and, and I think media organisations can think their audiences must be much more conservative than they are. And I just want to say, go out and meet them, go and talk to them. The audiences are moving quickly. Behaviour is moving really quickly. And although we, the Times has got quicker, my biggest fear, I think, would be that we're still not moving quickly enough. OK, uh, I have two more questions, OK? Uh, Advice to your younger self. You mentioned you've been in this business for almost four decades. And, yeah. and somebody asked me this question uh, a while ago. And, you know, if you see your younger self now, what's yeah. some advice you would give well, the, him? Well, the, the biggest thing I would definitely say to my younger self is don't think that being a leader means being Napoleon Bonaparte. I mean, I think I, I genuinely thought that leading was like being a general with a kind of vision and a strategic plan, which you then tell your subordinates and they would do it. I, I just think it, I've, 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 I've gone a 180 on, on leadership. Leadership, I think, is much more about creating a context and convening uh, a place where, where a team can come up with something and do something. And I, I would say the thing I'm most proud of is that the, 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 the current strategy of the New York Times, it's not my strategy. It's their strategy. They, they came up with it. I'm, I'm incredibly proud of them for doing it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of a met, I sort of voted for it as well. But it's not, it really isn't mine. It really came out of the organisation, mm -hmm. including from people who were there before I, I arrived. And it's working 
because they made it and they because they made it trust it and believe in it right my final question um this year we're going to begin to celebrate uh asia society hong kong's 30th anniversary um founded almost uh, 30 years ago uh, in June. January yeah. 2020 will be our official uh, 20th, uh, 30th anniversary. And what a brilliant idea that's turning out to be, uh, by the it way. Has, it's, it's, a, it's a genuinely, completely brilliant idea. A lot of, uh, of uh, the, the community leaders, people mm. like uh, uh, Willie Purvis, HSBC, mm. and many of the, the, you know, 30 years ago, who would have seen uh, where we are today. But the question I have for you um, is really your first trip to China or Asia. Uh, when was it? And and kind of your first impression of then? Uh, well, your first impression well, of it, Asia it, or China? When so you... so it's. Uh, I mean, it's a. It's. Um, I don't know if you know the answer to your own question. No, Perhaps I don't. You don't. Well, it's, I mean, the, I hit, the answer is an interesting one. It, I came through Hong Kong um, um, to um, go on after two or three days here to um, Beijing to cover what was going to be the first meeting of um, uh, Soviet and um, Chinese leaders since the 1960s. But I stayed for a month or so because it was the Tiananmen Square crisis. So mm. my, first, my first encounter with China was standing in Tiananmen Square. So that's very appropriate, <laughs> 30 years ago. <laughs> no, I think that's exactly why we're marking, uh, we're, we're you know, celebrating. We've been here as a, yeah. a center for 30 years. And your trip, I really did not know the answer. So but to me, I, I would say that, that China and China, you know, expressed broadly, absolutely to include Hong Kong, um, feels to me um, like both. It, it's, it's the most interesting story happening on the planet. Um, it's exceptionally hard for people who have not grown up in this part of the world and inside this culture to understand it. And yet the, the task of the, 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 of the explaining of the East to the West and the West to the East, which remains, it's like the kind of, in human history, probably the biggest single kind of civilizational question, how do you do that, remains as critical, I mean, maybe even to the point of, you know, will there be war or not, as critical now as it's ever been, and it's also an incredibly important part of the agenda of the New York Times. Great. Well, our president likes to say we shed light, not heat. So I'm yeah. really delighted that we have the opportunity to host you today um, at Asia Society Hong Kong. So it's been great, thank Alice. You. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. 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 Thank you.